Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Sarah Walton on the topic of hope when it hurts. We talked about everything from Sarah's own experience with suffering to how we can actually remind ourselves of the gospel even in the midst of our pain. All throughout our conversation, she shared how the gospel speaks into all areas of our lives and gives hope to our suffering. Listen to what she said. If God was willing to crush Jesus, his own son, who was sinless and perfect and holy, he must love us far beyond what we can even grasp. And therefore, I have to speak that same truth into my circumstances right now. Y'all, it was so encouraging to hear from a mama who suffered through a decade of trials and learned to walk with Christ as she and her family navigate the challenges of Lyme disease and special needs. So you'll know her a little better. Sarah is a stay-at-home mom with four kids under the age of 11. She also authored a book along with Kristen Weatherill from episode 67 on glory called Hope When It Hurts, Biblical Reflections to Help You Grasp God's Purpose in Your Suffering. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. It's so fun to get to talk to you. I think the last time that we chatted was at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference. I'm just excited to hear how the summer has gone for you and just to introduce you to the Journey Women listeners to give them a little bit of background. You have four kids all under mm-hmm. the age of 11, which I'm excited to learn from you in that because, you know, I have <laughs> I have three coming up and will be three, four and under. So, <laughs> Ooh, goodness. And then you that also have like an adopted kid, basically a Chinese exchange Short student term. who lives yep. with you. Mm-hmm. And you authored the book, Hope When It Hurts. It's biblical reflections to help you grasp God's purpose in your suffering, which is what we're going to talk to you about today. But before we get to that, I would love for the listeners just to get to hear a little bit more about who you are, your family, and what you guys do. So I am a stay-at-home mom. I've been home with my kids since I had my um, firstborn. So he was he's 11 now, so that obviously means it's been 11 years. When did you have your firstborn? How old were you? Because you look about 25 right now. <laughs> I actually, I got married when I was 20. Okay. And um, my first I had, I I think I had just turned 23 when uh-huh. I had him. So yeah, I definitely was a little bit on the earlier side. My husband was four years older than me. So okay. I, we got married right after my sophomore year. He had graduated. Aww. That's so fun. Yeah. That's such a different, like a different college experience to be a married it, girl. It is. It totally is. And it was not the path I expected. That is for right. sure. 
Um, that was definitely God's redirection. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, so I've been home with my kids, raising them. Um, we've had quite a journey. Um, yeah. I'm still am not working other than writing. Wait, so that... wait, 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 Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting paid is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, let's clarify. I know you're working yeah. your booty off over there. <laughs> yes, I am, I'm exhausted all the time. So that, whatever that's worth. I'm not getting um, paid in the sense of financial in any way, but paid in definitely the blessing of being home and watching what God's doing in my kid's life and just being yeah. able to be there, which I'm certainly not taking for granted. Yeah, As hard as sure. it is, as hard as it is, and as times, there are definitely times where I am ready to walk out and go work at McDonald's or anywhere. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I am grateful for it. So um, that's mainly what my life consists of outside of the writing and the occasional speaking. But really, my first and foremost, my job is still motherhood and surviving yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. You guys just spoke at a conference, you and Kristen, who co-authored the book with you. What conference was that? Uh, we spoke at the True Woman Conference. Nice. Yeah, we did the pre-conference, which was an awesome experience. It was, uh, there were 7,000 women who came to this conference, and we did not have that number in our pre-conference because they don't all come. But right. But it was neat because you know the people that come mm-hmm. to hear on the topic of hope in your suffering are really mm-hmm. wanting to be there for something. Mm-hmm. So it was a neat group. I think people who were really hungry just for hope and encouragement. Um, so we got lots of really encouraging comments and mm. it was neat to see how God just doesn't waste anything. Yeah. So we always leave encouraged. We're always tired, <laughs> but we're always encouraged by yeah. what God's done when he's, you see him multiply whatever you bring. So it was great. I'm, I'm kind of still on the tail end of that. And still trying to recover some of my energy level after coming home from that. You're going through your own degrees of suffering right now, even as we yeah. even as we speak. Yeah. And so am I. And I think everybody listening can relate to that. I want them to hear, though, your story and what suffering has looked like for you guys, specifically in the context of your marriage and yeah. in your mothering. So like I said, I got married a little younger and we had our first 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was so excited at, at that point. Um, I had gone through a really hard period through high school. I had the Lord had really taken me through a dark season hmm. that involved some abuse, really stripping away. Hmm. I, I was I was an athlete, and he took away my athletic ability through various situations of the coaching situation, and that was devastating to me. It was hmm. a lot identity. And so right. it sent me kind of reeling. And then I dealed with some sexual abuse, dealt with sexual abuse at the same time. And mm. that all sent me spiraling. So I ended up, long story short, ending up in the hospital my senior year of high school. Wow. After I had overdosed on some medication, I think a cry for help. The Lord met me though in that moment. Mm. It was a fork in the road of Lord, either take me mm. or you need to help me surrender what For I don't, sure. what I don't understand. And it was a place of brokenness, but it was really a beautiful thing because it was, I, I felt the Lord lift me out of a lot of darkness mm. and didn't really take away a lot of the pain necessarily that was going on, but it set me on a totally new trajectory for my life, mm. which is why I say I was not planning on being married at 20, having <laughs> kids at 23. I had other plans and God had decided to change those plans as he usually does. Yeah. So then fast forward, I had my first. And at that point, I was really, 
I was excited to be a mom. I saw the blessing of motherhood. Uh I had sacrificed working at that point. I decided I really wanted to stay home with my kids. And that was a valuable thing to me at the point. So I was excited. My first came, I think he was about seven weeks old. And he was suddenly hospitalized with a really high fever. We hadn't even That's left terrifying. the house at this point. Yeah. So I know I know a lot of people that have gone through things with their infants. And it's terrifying. You yes. know, you feel so helpless. And a lot of times they don't know what's going on. And so anyway, long story short, we were there for five days. We thought he had leukemia. We thought he had every like illness that... Um, often kills your baby. Wow. They went through everything that they thought was the what was going on. And five days later, everything that was happening stopped and they sent us home. It was the strangest thing. That's terrifying because you're like, wait a second. Wait, what, what's going to happen if I don't have like a medical team on call right here right. if anything exactly. goes down? And we went home with no answers. They oh. basically sent us home with an unknown severe illness. Yeah. Um, and so that was this strange thing that happened to us right when we went into parenthood. And we thought, um, what in the world is happening? But what I, I can see now is that was really God's first test for us of, do you really surrender your child to me? Yeah. And I thought that was kind of the end. And then... When he turned about one, really once he became mobile, so eight months, Mm -hmm. um, he started to just do some strange behaviors. He would like knock things off of shelves. It looked like he he was looking for every possible way to cause a problem as much as you can at that age. And so we would get, you know, try to redirect him, um, you know, give him a little hand swat. No, no, don't do that. Um, (laughs) But it was like he he couldn't stop himself. Like it was... Everything that you're not supposed to do, he would look for those things. It was a strange thing, Mm. but we didn't have anything to compare it to. Right, yeah, because it's your first kid. Yeah, yeah. And so then as he aged and got into toddlerhood, more new things would happen. He refused to eat dinner, anything I put on the table for for like about six months. And then it became tantrums that would last longer and longer and be triggered by the strangest things. Like how long are we talking like hour long, wow, yeah, two hour. As he got older, they Dang. got longer to where he couldn't, he just Recover. couldn't come down. Yeah. yeah. And so it became confusing because here, you know, as Christian parents were taught, discipline your child and make clear boundaries, uh-huh. so that, you know, discipline out of love, but make clear boundaries. You need to win the battles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, man. And you're just you like, have- dude, this battle's been going for two hours. Yeah. yeah. And every parenting advice we'd get, would make the situation oh, worse. Because you're just so, feeling like such a failure because you're like, yeah. surely I am doing something wrong here, right? Exactly. It oh, makes you feel Oh, that breaks like my heart. That's yeah, such a heavy hurting. weight. You know, you feel mm-hmm. that weight when you're yes. in motherhood um, yes. because you feel like you should be doing things a certain way or whatever. We start to put like these you know, little laws on ourselves as moms. Yeah. But yeah. especially when your kid isn't performing well, then you're like, you feel so desperate. Right. I think even if your child has no issues outside of sinfulness, <laughs> which, right. you know, we all deal with our kids. We learn really quick. They're sinful. Right. So even that they always, our kids are very creative in their sinfulness. Uh-huh. So 
they're always keeping you on your toes. And immediately, very quickly as a parent, you'll realize, oh my goodness, there is no playbook for this. No, yeah. And you can ask five different (laughs) friends and what works for them is not happening for you. Totally. Um, And so, but yet you know, okay, but God's word I know is true. Yes. And I know it's applicable for everybody. So I'm struggling here because I'm trying to follow what the Lord tells me to do as as a parent and it's seeming like it's backfiring. I yeah. don't get it. Yeah. And so it was very confusing and we didn't know what in the world to do. We were definitely living a very lonely, uh, we're, we're in a really lonely place because yeah. nobody seemed to really understand. Mm. People would kind of say, oh, I know my kid's really strong-willed too. And I, I always thought, gosh, are there this many strong-willed kids like mm. <laughs> Like that are mm-hmm. like this, that are like breaking things and banging their head into the wall and mm. having to restrain like are really everyone's got kids like this. Mm-hmm. So it was really it got confusing. And it wasn't until I think I think it was when he turned four. We had just moved. We had had some really scary things happen. He had done some things that had been very harmful. Um, he had hurt one of our other kids pretty badly. He had been throwing things and had hurt me a couple times pretty badly. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just getting scarier. And we mm-hmm. were finding this is harder and harder to control. And we're finding quickly that this is a totally different ballgame. This is not mm-hmm. normal stuff. And this is not normal strong wills, normal disobedience. Something else is at play, but we had no idea what. Did you like so, talk to the doctor or anything at that point? Or Yeah, I think yeah. it was when he was four and we something odd happened. We, um, we had just moved mm-hmm. and he got strep throat and we put him on antibiotics. And mm. about hours after he started taking the antibiotics, mm. he became literally psychotic. Wow. He was shrieking. He was swinging at everybody. He was throwing everything. I mean, it was... I can't even describe it. It's, it was yeah. so strange and terrifying. So intense. It was, it was what we needed to alert, alert us to right. this. It's not normal. Yes. So that's when we started seeing doctors. And um, we went from doctor to doctor to doctor. Um, we were doing diets. We were doing mm. supplements, testing, all sorts of different types of things that could be causing neurological issues. And doctors would like say there's something wrong, but we, we see all these different things that are wrong, but we can't really figure out why. And we don't really know what to do about it. And at some point, like sometimes he could seem normal. He could act completely normal. And so he'd show up at a doctor's appointment and the doctor would love him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You have a really bright boy on your hand. I think you just need to give him more to do. I mean, things like that. So we would go home and just be so confused. Mm-hmm. And then we'd enter our home and enter back into this chaos. Yeah. And so fast forward, um, we were probably, I think he was about seven. And my husband had been on call at this point for um, the past, that past seven, nine, to, I think it had been nine years, but seven years since we had had kids. Okay. So he was gone all the time. So oh, I wow. had been on my own to deal with this. Wow. And to give you a picture, multiple times a day, I'd say at least a third of my day was consisting of me having to restrain him. Oh my, my son, goodness, Sarah. Um, with him biting, kicking, scratching, throwing things, screaming things, how he wanted to kill us. And I mean, it was, it was so terrifying. Um, but I was so numb to it at that point because right. it was survival mode. So that totally. was just my daily life. And I had three other kids at that point. 
Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. just think about all like the little intricacies of motherhood like for those who aren't moms that are listening like you normally have play dates like a lot of social interaction for you as a mom involves other moms and was it difficult did people not want to spend time with you guys because he was a little bit more violent yeah it was it was really hard I was scared to take him places because he would hurt other kids and he it was a type of thing where I could see it coming within Mm -hmm. a matter of seconds but I, I'd have to follow him around yeah. or I wouldn't be able to stop it. In so time. you can't really have like a conversation while you're playing right. at Chick-fil-A or right. something like that. Or maybe he's going to tantrum in the middle of Target. Exactly. We came to that point and um, we were so desperate. Our marriage was hurting. I was getting sicker. I didn't mm-hmm. really mention the part that I was really not feeling well. <laughs> yes. When did you start feeling ill? Um, I had been having health issues since I was little. Right. So it was just enough like random things though, that I never really worked too hard to figure out what was what it was. On. Yeah. Yeah. Until I started having kids and okay. then every baby I had, I got a little bit sicker. Um, and my mm-hmm. fourth was a little bit of a, whoops, I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was not physically prepared for that pregnancy. I was not looking for that pregnancy, but the Lord... Girl, I don't even know how that happened because if I was like dealing with what you're dealing with (laughs) one third of every day of my motherhood, I don't think there would have been anything but an immaculate conception that could have happened at that point. (laughs) That, and honestly, I still wonder how the Lord made that one happen. (laughs) So I have joked about, I almost feel like it was the second virgin birth because I don't know how in the world that happened, but... Obviously, we know <laughs> we know how it happens. I Something just don't went know down. How it yes, so, but it, there was peace in that because I knew the Lord had made that happen for His purposes, mm-hmm. even though I didn't feel like Absolutely. it was the right timing. And I did get sicker. I got way sicker after that delivery. What did sickness look like for you? I was very fluish, so I felt okay. so like achy. achy. Okay. Yeah, I was super achy. I was very weak and tired. Yeah. Um, like I was so brainless. I, I was leaving my keys running in the car. I even left my keys running in the car one time with the garage door down. And if my husband hadn't gone back to the garage, it would have been a really bad situation. So I was doing scary things. Yeah. But I also was juggling a lot. I was trying to keep my child safe, keep us safe on very little energy and a very painful body. So yeah. Um, And I had a lot of stomach issues, so I would be kind of bedridden a lot. I mean, I look back at these years, Hunter, and I think it is an absolute miracle. That you made it through. Yeah. I don't even almost remember half of it. (laughs) I know. I mean, I can barely remember my last three years, and I didn't even have anything nearly as intense. 
Yeah, it, it just it shows God's grace is sufficient Absolutely. for what He gives you because I, I don't. It was not me doing that, mm. but but God did bring us to a point where He said, "Enough, this mm-hmm. can't go on mm-hmm. like this." And we were hitting rock bottom, and so as uh, in desperation, my husband took a new job, which meant a huge sacrifice for us. He lost mm-hmm. about sixty percent of the salary. Holy smokes. We sold our home because of that beautiful home that we had bought and planned to live in until we died. We wow, sold it. We Sarah. Lived in with my parents um, until we could find a home, mm. and um, we were very close to admitting our son um, to a hospital facility because it was just it was unbearable. Wow! So we were really broken. It was. Yeah. The oh my gosh! I'm like getting ready to cry over here because you just imagine the amount of desperation that you would feel, yeah. particularly as a mother. Yeah, it, it really is. It's the epitome to me. It was one of the worst feelings I could feel as a mother because it felt like I had to choose between my children. Yeah. I either keep my son in our home because I felt like I was he was safer with us. Mm-hmm. Where I had to choose the safety of my other kids. Yeah, it, it was and your a, own health, which it's like, how yeah. can you take care of your children if your health yeah. is like, you know? Yes, exactly. So by God's grace, we tried a new med at that point mm-hmm. and that brought the first relief to the point where he probably, his in, the intensity of his, circuit, his situation came from probably a 10 to like a 7. Wow. So it was enough that we felt like for the time we could keep him home. We moved, uh, we got settled in my parents' house. We moved, found a rental, got into our rental home. And that year is when finally I actually met Kristen, who I co-authored the book with. That's when we kind of became closer. She's such a dear. She is so sweet. And she recommended I see her doctor. Hmm. She had been diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I thought, I don't have Lyme. Like, I don't, I haven't been bit by tick. I don't even know much about Lyme, but I'm really pretty sure it's not that. But she said, just go anyway. They really look at everything just to kind of see the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So I did. And that day that I was there, they're like, I can give you 90% chance that you have Lyme disease. (laughs) Holy smokes. Yeah. And I mean, I was... I was very much in denial. I'm like, I don't really believe you. I don't think it's. Yeah. You're like, you guys are hokey. Yeah. um, But once I looked at the symptom list and I kind of started getting more of an understanding of what it was, I was like, my mouth dropped open. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like this pic, this gives a picture of my whole life. Yes. Everything you've ever experienced. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I began treatments, which are confusing in themselves and expensive. None of it's covered by insurance. Oh, really? That's so strange. It is. Well, it's a long story behind that. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully change is coming in that gradually. But for the time being, it, it had been basically out of pocket stuff, but wow. it was needed. And so we started doing that even on the lower income we had. So over that year, I was sharing with my doctors about our son and the things that he was going through. Okay. Well, Increasingly, my second born girl, she started complaining every day about her joints really hurting. Wow. We kind of were excusing it as, well, we just moved. Maybe this is stress related. She'd been under a lot of stress with our son since she'd been born. Sure. And then my daughter below her, she was complaining about being so tired all the time. So we would go on family walks and she would stop like halfway riding her bike and she'd just cry that she couldn't go any further that her legs were too tired, so we'd have to carry her home. And she was complaining about stomach aches. And like, so it just got 
strange symptoms were coming into all of our kids. And even our youngest boy started having night terrors, like our oldest Mm -hmm. did. So little things started increasing. So I was sharing with our doctor this, and they said, have you ever had your kids tested for Lyme? And I was like, no, why would I? And they said, well, it is possible to pass it gestationally if your Lyme was active when you were pregnant with them. Wow. And I thought, there's no way. But all of a sudden, all these light bulbs started going off, and I started connecting all these things that they were complaining about that fit symptoms of what I have dealt with or other Lyme symptoms. Mm -hmm. So over the next months, we had them all tested and they came back positive. Mm. It was just, it was so overwhelming. Heartbreaking. Yes. I thought, Lord, not only have you given us a son that we still don't have answers to how to help him, but now all of our kids are sick with something that is very, very overwhelming. And there still isn't a lot of answers of what, how best to treat it, anything. And the thought mm-hmm. that I had given it to him. So I also was battling guilt. I totally. It's like, I made my kids sick. I have no idea what their future is going to look like now. So that has been the, na- the last two years have consisted of treatments for all of them. The final kicker um, that the Lord, I think, was like, okay, you've trusted me. Now I'm going to see if you trust me if I take it all. <laughs> and so what happened is I remember, I, I have to say this day because this day sticks out in my mind mm. as the true epitome of having to choose to trust God when absolutely nothing makes sense. Mm. And we, my husband asked me to pray one morning. We were losing money so fast. We, our kids were, were all trying to get treatment. Right. Paying we out of pocket. Live, yeah, we were trying to live on a much lower income. And we prayed one morning, um, I'm trying to remember what verse it was, but it was something, a psalm that was basically at an acceptable time, O Lord, basically provide what you will at an acceptable time was the essence of it. So we were praying for his provision mm-hmm. that he knew our needs and that we, we needed him to provide. Well, an hour later, my husband got a phone call to let him know that he was being let go. Mm. And I, I, we were so shocked at the drastic of spending time in prayer, really at a place of feeling like we were laying things down. Yes. And the Lord's answer was to take my husband's income. (laughs) Wow. It it was such a strange feeling. And yet I actually remember it being one of the sweetest days I've had because really that afternoon, I also got sent the final draft of Kristen and my, our book. Wow. Um, I had to read through the final manuscript that, that weekend, mm. which I was not thrilled about at the moment. I was like, Lord, this is cool. <laughs> um, but but wasn't, what amazed me is I read through what he had given us to write over that year and a half, and yeah. I literally cried through the whole thing. Wow. I, it was like, I almost felt like I hadn't written one word of it. It yes. was like he was just yes. speaking truth to my own heart that I needed to hear again. And it just amazed me. It, it was all these truths that I... I had believed, but now I had to be believing them at a whole different level. And it, yeah. I had to ask myself, if I'm yeah. preaching this to other people, do, mm-hmm. do I really this, live this? Yes. Can I live this right now when there yeah. is no reason and understanding as to why this is all happening? How was your view of God affected oh. by the suffering that you were experiencing at that time? You know, I think when things like this happen, it all comes down to, do I believe God is sovereign and do I believe he's good? Right. 
I mean, I think those are the two of the most yes. critical questions we ask as Christians when we can't make sense. You know, when things are going well, it's really easy to say, I believe God's sovereign. Right. I believe he's in control. Yeah. I believe he's good. You look at the blessings he's given. And then suddenly when it's gone, you have to face, do I really believe if he is sovereign, mm-hmm. if, if, I, if mm-hmm. he could have stopped this, then if I believe he's sovereign, then I have to then question, then how can he be good? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, he could have stopped it, but he chose not to. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean that God is good? So those are the things I find that I have, I have really had to come to grips with. It shakes the foundation of our faith, the mm-hmm. essence of what our faith is on. We come to find out really quick what we're putting our faith in. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what it did. It started to test, am I putting my faith in my mothering abilities? Am I putting my faith right. in my ability to feel strong? Right, am I your putting health. it uh, in my ability to feel secure financially right. and in whatever ways I want to find my security? Um, even in my marriage, do I, do I want to, you know, where am I? Am I looking for my identity and mm-hmm. my security and my value in my husband mm-hmm. or in my mother? or whatever it is. We all look for it in different ways. So I think that's really what um, it has challenged the most when suffering has come and how it's affected my view of God. I've had to really dig in the scriptures and question, what does God really, what Mm -hmm. promises does actually give me? Because Mm -hmm. I think I'm Mm -hmm. believing things that I'm assuming he's promised me. Right. (laughs) Yes, yes. Never did. Right. Or at least I, twisted his promise into how I thought that would look. <laughs> yes, we all do that. What hope does God offer us, even in the midst of suffering? Like, what are some of the promises that you clung to that you mentioned? It means that our suffering, although it's going to feel really, really hopeless and pointless at times, that it's actually being used by God, that mm-hmm. it's changing us mm-hmm. into the likeness of mm-hmm. Christ. and glorifying him through that brokenness. Two of the verses I think that probably come to mind the most are Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's such a concise picture that we're not even not only being told we're going to suffer, but we're being told that we can rejoice in our sufferings. And yeah. how? Because we are being told that the suffering that he's allowing, it's producing endurance. And mm-hmm. that endurance is producing character, which is Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to see evidence of Christ in yeah. our lives, that is the nation and the fuel for the hope we have. Because it shows us, it's like the proof that we have Christ alive in us. And therefore, mm-hmm. that we are being made into his image and that we will be with him in, in heaven one day. So mm-hmm. that's the increasing of our hope. And then the, the verses we wrote on and anchored a lot of the book in, um, I love 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So we do not lose heart mm-hmm. or outer wasting away mm-hmm. our inner self being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing mm-hmm. for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but mm-hmm. to the things that are unseen. For the things that are un- or seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Mm-hmm. So that is where I go, right? When something happens, like when my husband loses his job and everything looks like it's crumbling. If I'm looking at the things that are seen, yeah. what hope do 
do I have? That looks like God is cruel. That looks like mm-hmm. God is not at all listening or aware of what's happening in my life mm-hmm. or that he doesn't care or that he's not sovereign. There's all sorts of things that I can start believing if I don't look to the things that are unseen, mm-hmm. which is what scripture is giving mm-hmm. us. Um, but understanding that the stuff that's wasting away, that God is actually using that to to renew us, to grow in us this likeness of Christ. Um, I have Johnny Erickson Tata has this quote that is probably one of my favorite quotes because it sums this up so beautifully. Um, and I I would kind of want to like put it on a poster and like stick it to my forehead and walk around with it because it's what I want people to know when they look at my life and they think either my life looks hopeless or they look at my life and they think, gosh, I don't want to go near her because <laughs> I might catch her suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is that, and it's and hard so to walk that, alongside. I mean, honestly, you know, I've had that experience where you're entering into a person's life who is just much of their life like yours, Sarah, has been characterized by suffering. And you're like, I don't know if I can walk mm-hmm. alongside you because I, I don't even feel equipped. Yeah. And when we see other people hurting, it's it scares us because it makes us realize mm-hmm. that we too are just as vulnerable. And that's we don't really mm-hmm. want to go near that. But when we believe this, which let me read what this quote says, because it's such a beautiful picture of it. The greatest good suffering can work for a believer is to increase his or her capacity for God. The greater one's need, the greater will be our capacity. And the greater our capacity, the greater will be our experience of our Savior. Mm. And that has been Mm. Mm. why I want to tell people, I am so thankful for everything God has given me because it has given me the capacity Mm. to experience more of Mm. Christ in Mm. far greater ways than I ever would have. Mm. I wouldn't have felt like I needed Christ more. Mm when life was a lot easier. It was, mm-hmm. I was okay the way I was, but as he stripped things away, it's opened up those gaping holes that I was filling with other things have opened mm-hmm. up room for mm-hmm. me to fill more of him mm-hmm. in my life. And it's, I've come to find that he has satisfied me. How does the gospel actually impact all of our lives, regardless of our degree of suffering, you know, we're all experiencing it to different degrees, including the most difficult circumstances that we face. Yeah. You know, I, I think the most important thing is we have to look at the cross. That's really our best picture Mm. of how the gospel impacts everything. I mean, everything from being stuck in traffic on the way to a job interview, and you're afraid you're going to be late. Right. Through finding out your child is diagnosed with a terminal illness to your husband telling you he wants to leave. I mean, anything, absolutely everything. Because the first question again is, is God sovereign and is God good? Can I trust him? So we have to look at the cross because what does the cross say? I think of Isaiah 53, 10, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Mm. He was put to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So it was the will of the Lord to crush his own son. Mm -hmm. And you think if God was willing to crush Jesus, his own son, who was sinless and perfect and Mm -hmm. holy, Mm -hmm. he must love us far beyond what we can even grasp. And therefore, I have to speak that same truth into my circumstances right now. Mm -hmm. One, that God is going to allow things that look really Mm -hmm. bad moment. I mean, it looked like evil was winning when Christ was on the cross. Mm. So Mm. 
in the moment when something hap- is happening, that is our first thought. It feels like evil is winning. It feels like suffering is going to take something from us that can never be regained. So if we look to the cross, we remember, okay, first of all, what things appear don't always tell what's true. Right. And in the, in the kingdom of God, at least. Yeah. And so, and second, what Satan intends for evil God can end up using to advance his own purposes. And he yes. often does. Yes. So not only in our own hearts, but in purposes far beyond us. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the lives of those around us who are watching, it puts his glory on display in mm-hmm. incredible ways as the cross did. Um, and so we have to look to the cross to remember what mm-hmm. we see is not always what's true. And that too, God is going to bring what, seems really evil and really horrible. He is going to be doing something. Mm-hmm. He promises that he is going to redeem that. It mm-hmm. may not be in our lifetime in the way we want, because yes, he allows sometimes a child to die. He mm-hmm. allows a dear friend to go through cancer and not be healed. Right. We can we have to we have to wrestle with those things when we know God can can intervene, but we can trust we have that is why we have to go to the cross because that is the essence of our faith. Christ died so that our suffering wouldn't be hopeless anymore. Yeah. Because it means that we have we have meaning, we have life beyond this life. It yes. means one day everything will be redeemed. We will be able to look back and we will be able to see how God has carried us through things that only he could have done. Right. And that he has been changing us in the process. It makes us look heavenward. It loosens our grip on the world. It makes us long for more of Christ. So these deep treasures are happening in our soul, even as we grieve Mm -hmm. and it glorifies Christ as the Mm -hmm. cross, which looks evil. It was the epitome of, it was the salvation for the entire world. So it's the hope we have. And so even in those days, like I said, I told you, I came home from this conference and my daughter woke up the next morning with covered in horrible, huge welts and swollen all over. And I was so exhausted. (laughs) I was so tired from the night before, from the whole week. And my first thought is, oh my goodness, Lord, I can't do this. I I can't do this. And we had to take her to the hospital and it looked really bad. And I was, I was worried, but in those moments when you've, you're in the chaos and yeah. it's, I couldn't go to my Bible right then. I didn't have time. I was driving to the hospital. And so I was having to preach that to myself. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't get yes. why this is being thrown at me right now. You know, in our minds, we can think, Lord, I just, I just served you. Shouldn't you be blessing me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, with rest, you know, I need. And yet, no, he's pushing me outside my comfort zone again. Um, and I'm getting an opportunity once again to practice what I preach. Yes. And so I'm driving on the way to the hospital, so exhausted at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I can't do this apart from your strength. I don't know why you are allowing this, but help me to trust that you are good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that you will equip me for this. And I don't have to understand why to trust you. Right. That's really the essence of our faith in those moments. Yeah, for sure. You know, you mentioned basically praying as you're going to the hospital with your daughter. Practically, how else do you lay hold of those truths in the midst of your suffering? I think there's two two main things. One, I have to be in the Word mm-hmm. every day. 
it has become such a lifeline for me. It's not a duty. It is truly a lifeline. If I don't have my eyes in the word and on the truth um, consistently, mm-hmm. I am so quick to start believing what my circumstances mm-hmm. tell me. And my emotions and my thoughts that are typically not in line with the truth. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, emotions are strong and we're going to feel them, especially when we're th- things are thrown at us that are really hard. Are We're bound to respond in grief and in um, fear and all sorts of emotions. And so... I have to go back to the word consistently. Uh-huh. I have to ask the Lord. Um, sometimes I don't even know where to go. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where to I go. Know. I feel almost so overwhelmed. By sometimes life. a Bible reading plan just doesn't feel like it's meeting you right there where yeah. you're at when you're in First Chronicles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and there's certainly times where. God illuminates certain truths in a way that is different. It's not like every single time I sit down and I'm in the Word and, like you said, Second Chronicles right. all of a sudden like meets me right where <laughs> I am. Light bulbs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there is something about being in the Word. Yes. There are also certain portions of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I have I have lived a lot in Job and the Psalms yeah. and Second Corinthians and First um, and Second Peter and definitely the chapters and the books of the Bible right. that um, that really help us fix our eyes on what's true yes. when life is hard. But not only staying there too, because I totally. think you see the big picture of, yes. it helps you lift your eyes to the big picture Absolutely. of God's whole story of life. And yep. so that's the most important thing. And then there's definitely times in the day where I don't have access to my Bible or I'm in survival mode or I'm in chaos mode. And I will tell you with Lyme memory, my memory is horrible. So I have a very hard time retaining verses. Mm. And so sometimes a verse will come to mind, but what I can remember is the essence of what those verses are saying. So the the core truths that are anchoring my soul. Mm. And because I don't remember things well, I have to write a lot down. So I'll have verses with Mm. me that I can look at because they just, my mind just doesn't always want to do it. Right. <laughs> so it's in those moments, like I said, on the way to the hospital, it's mm-hmm. not even a verbal out loud, but it's preaching to my heart in those moments. God, I can't do this right now myself. Right. I have to believe and I have to trust and help me trust that you are here with me. When I'm restraining my son or I am mm. listening to his verbal barrages that mm. are just would really send my emotions sending me like making me go haywire or responding in a lot of anger. Right. I, I, in my own soul, I am just basically having to plead with the Lord. Please just keep me, hold me together right now. Help me to not react in my flesh. Help me to react in the spirit. Lord, I don't know the right words. Uh Please give me the words that I need. I know this looks really bad. Help me to not get swept up into the emotion of this, but help me to anchor right. myself to what is true. It's very simple things. It is just the pleading with the Lord that yes. I need to know you're here. Please help me remember yes. that you're here. And I will tell you this. There are many times when I don't do that in the moment. Right. We are not going to do this perfectly. Totally. And there are a lot of times that I end up in tears on my bathroom floor crying about the ugliness that came out of me in certain situations because Mm, I did respond in mm -hmm, my flesh and I mm -hmm. did respond in fear 
And that's going to happen. We are still battling the flesh inside of us. Absolutely. And so those are the times when I end up seeing the gospel the most clearly. You know, you think you're dependent when you're like praying and then you respond well, but then man, are you dependent when you respond poorly and you've got to go look your child in the face and ask for forgiveness with tears streaming down your face, knowing that your perfect record in motherhood has been (laughs) wrecked. Except (laughs) not because you're reliant on the perfect record that Christ, you know, has extended to us and graciously offered to us through the cross. And that's when you're just humbled out the wazoo. We have no claim to any of our salvation. And we don't, I think we believe it, but we don't believe it to the core until, I think it's God's grace. He doesn't reveal to us how sinful we are, you know, all at once. It would just crush us. Totally. But he definitely allows things to happen that gradually, little by little, expose more of it. Right. And I see my sin like never before. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I do too, especially in the context of motherhood. There's nothing that's brought it out more. Oh my goodness. No kidding. (laughs) Maybe, maybe there is. My parents are like, yeah, you're, you're upbringing, honey. (laughs) You were oblivious. (laughs) Um, What would it look like for the body of Christ to practically come alongside you and your family in the midst of such turmoil and suffering? Maybe tell like what did happen. And then also like, looking back at it thinking, man, this would have, you know, this would have been really helpful. Like I've definitely had that in the season of deployment or something like that. People would ask me because they don't know, they've never experienced it. How can I love you? And looking back on certain seasons, I've been able to see, oh man, it would have been really helpful if you would have, for example, called during mealtimes because everybody else has their spouse. And a lot of times mealtimes are like the hardest time of day because, you know, you've worked hard to prepare this and then your kids are sitting at the table, they're complaining. Maybe just a little FaceTime call from a new fresh face would mm-hmm. have made all the difference in the world. And so next deployment, when somebody asks, that's what I can offer. So I'd love to yes. hear from you, like looking back on your season of suffering, what did people do? And then what do you see now looking back and even as you're in it now that they could do to love you through um, these difficult times? Yeah. You know, I think what you actually said made a really good point. My mom said something like this um, not that long ago. She said, it's really it is important for us to look at the people that we're wanting to bring comfort to and think Mm -hmm. about what specifically would comfort them, not what would comfort us if we think we were in that situation. Some things that would comfort us may not necessarily be helpful to another person if their situation is very different. So like you said, we have, like we have things that are going on people like, especially when my son, son was younger, we couldn't have people come over and just watch our kids mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. was, we couldn't really trust that that was going right. to be okay. <laughs> um, we right. saw a few babysitters left with like a deer in headlights. So we, we were limited in some of that. Right. I also at certain seasons because of health issues have had extreme dietary issues. So it was hard for people to bring meals. meals. So there's certain things that were hard for people to help us. And so I did have to be really specific, which mm-hmm. that's so it, hard to do. It is so hard. And here is the thing. If I, especially if you know someone's hurting um, or going through a lot mm-hmm. and you just don't know how to help them, mm-hmm. there are some things I think that are encouraging to people no matter what. Right. Universally because, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes it actually is harder for them to answer you how they can be helped it almost like creates like an additional burden for them to have to answer one more question sometimes. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I will tell you the things that have probably encouraged me the most 
people writing me notes, mm. how they have seen God's evidence in my life. And that's free. <laughs> like you can do that for yes, free. Exactly. The cost it's of free. a 50 cent stamp or whatever. Yeah. You can do that in almost any season of life. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not bringing a meal. It's not watching someone's kids. Like, wow. It's yes. very simple to do. Yes. So giving that along with a couple verses, this is what I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that, that don't require that person to give anything in return mm-hmm. or set mm-hmm. up a time for you to deliver a meal. Mm-hmm. However, there are certainly times where bringing meals are super mm-hmm. helpful. Not saying... You know, is there some point where you'd like me to bring a meal, but saying, hey, I'm going to bring you a meal this Tuesday night work. Like be very, very specific because it takes that burden, like you said, off the person to try to make those decisions. Correct. It's hard to ask for help. We do need to go in asking for help. We need to be humble to ask for help, but it is still hard. (laughs) It totally is. I feel bad bringing people into my mess. Mm -hmm. Like I, I kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I can get stuck in the lie that everybody is going through stuff. Nobody right. wants to deal with my mess too. Right. I don't want to put it on other people. And so I just don't ask. Uh-huh. And that's not good either. God has given us the body of Christ. <laughs> right. And we do need to humble ourselves to ask. Um, but it has been a blessing when others have reached out on their own. I have had people come and clean my toilets. I have had people wow. come and drop off. We had, when my husband left, lost his job, we had someone drop off a huge box of gifts for my kids. Wow. They didn't, we have no idea who it was. And I I do want to make that point. It is such a gift sometimes to be anonymous. Yep. Such a gift. And I don't think I have appreciated that until people have been anonymous in giving us gifts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because it does, it, there's a beauty of knowing someone gives you something Mm -hmm. and being in that shared experience mm-hmm. with each other. And yet when you're under a lot of stress, there's also a beauty of not feeling the responsibility to write a thank you note. Totally. And responsibility to feel like um, you I need should to do repay this in them. return for that Correct. person. Yeah. Um, and so that has been a really sweet thing um, to see people be the hands and feet of Christ in mm-hmm. ways that truly were sacrificial. They didn't even get the recognition for it. So those are ways I think that are very simple that we can comfort and we can help each other. There have been times when things that have not been helpful. That was my next question. Like, what should we not say? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of unsolicited advice. I can't tell you the amount of times I get told how we should be doing treatments and Mm. how we must be missing something for our son and things Mm. that have worked for them that we should be trying. And it's not to say there's not a place to share those things. But we do have to be, just be really discerning about it, I think. Totally. And prayerful and more focused on the comforting yeah. and encouraging and the serving Correct. than we are on the trying to fix. <laughs> Absolutely. We do have to learn to extend grace to people because I have certainly said the wrong thing at times. I'm sure mm-hmm. I have. But not telling people, telling me that it's going to it's gonna get better or that um, it, it will get easier or... Their friend had this too, and they yeah. ended up being fine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We yeah. want we want to give people comfort in an answer, and sometimes it actually does the opposite. Right. Sometimes it's actually discouraging because it feels like, oh, I should have been doing something else. Um, they're questioning yeah. what I've done. 
I think people don't realize it, but a lot of times when they offer that kind of advice, then you feel even more guilt and more shame over not feeling like you're an adequate fit as a mother or as an advocate or whatever it is. And it's like, man, I think instead it would be really helpful to come alongside and encourage, like you're saying, in what you do see them doing really stinking Mm -hmm. well and what you see them working so, uh, you know, hard to do. That's like kind of wind beneath their wings where it's like, okay, we can... you, you, you can you can continue to fight this, you know, as you right. go about your day. And I think ultimately just encouragement in um, the one truth that reigns, you know, universally, and that is cling to the cross and that Christ mm-hmm. knows your sufferings and that the Lord promises that he is near to the brokenhearted. And just, yeah. you know, saying that, man, I know God is near to the brokenhearted. And I am so thankful for that because this situation is heartbreaking. Yes, yes. That is just such a comfort to remind them of truth in a way that isn't like preachy. Right. And also doesn't make them feel like, man, they haven't been like doing, doing enough. enough. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not offering false hope. You know, I, I think that can be, that can often be something people offer is right. they want to comfort people. So yes. they say, I'm sure you're going to find healing. Yes. I'm, you know, we had people year after year tell us that our son, by the time he hits four, he'll grow out of this. Oh my this, word. This happened and to my child. And then four hit and you're like yeah. more devastated than ever. Exactly. And that did. It ended up really bringing me feeling a Man. lot of hopelessness because yeah. we get these false hopes. Yeah. And we'd think, oh, well, someone yeah. else has experienced this. And then that day would come and it'd be worse. And I'd think, well, that's, then what's wrong? <laughs> yes. So we don't want to speak out of false promises. Mm-hmm at all. That that can be mm-hmm. very dangerous and not helpful. Mm-hmm. But like you said, um, encouraging people with the truth, we need to be really good listeners. Yes. We speak too much. We want to run our mouths. <laughs> you know, I think if we pull back and we say, I want to be this, be here for this person, not so that I can tell them how I have the answers, but I just want to be here yep. and tell them that I'm willing to long suffer with them. And I want to listen to their heart. I want to hear the process they're going through. I want to hear how they're doing today since emotions are different every day. I want to hear how they're seeing God work because it, giving someone that ability to speak and process can be such a gift. So mm-hmm. just being a listening mm-hmm. ear to people can be so healing and it can help them mm-hmm. actually hear themselves preaching totally. God's truth. Absolutely. Life-giving. Yeah. So what other resources do you recommend for somebody who's navigating either a season of suffering themselves or who's walking alongside a friend or a family member in the midst of suffering right now? I'd say books are probably the things I'm I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There's definitely different podcasts and things like that that are good too. John Piper has a few Mm -hmm. podcasts. He he did a sermon series through Job Mm. that was really, really helpful. So that's one that I would recommend listening to. But a few books that have been such a gift are besides Still Waters. Oh, okay. Charles Spurgeon wrote. Wow. And he also wrote Morning and Evening. Both are devotional type things, so right. they're very manageable. Accessible too, yeah. Accessible, a page. Exactly. <laughs> One page. Yeah, I think what I love about Spurgeon is he went through so much suffering mm-hmm. and he battled really deep depression. Mm-hmm. So the words you're hearing him speak are so clearly spirit-inspired and you know he's been in the depths So it's not someone that's kind of like preaching to you of how to suffer well. It's someone who was going through a lot of really, really hard Mm. stuff 
harder than most of us have to deal with because they didn't have the doctors and the medications and things like we do now. And he just has a way of very concisely making very clear pictures of what God is doing in mm-hmm. our suffering. And then another one, I clearly like reading Dead Guys. Um, Thomas <laughs> Boston, <laughs> he was like a, I don't, I don't remember, like a 1600 wow. uh, preacher or yeah. something. But there's a guy, Jason Roth, who updated it to English, uh, more current English. So okay. it's a little bit more manageable. And it's called The Crook in the Lot. Mm. And it's all about the sovereignty of God. And it has so lifted my eyes to wow. see the bigger picture of the sovereignty of God in a magnificent way. So I highly, highly mm. recommend that. And then lastly, Behind a Frowning Providence, which okay. is John Murray. Uh-huh. Those three, I think, all really have the essence of speaking to the God's goodness and God's sovereignty and the treasures that we're gaining as Christ is working these things in us. And I really think anybody can benefit from that. Mm-hmm even if you're in good times, because Mm. we can be comfortable and actually be in more danger than when we're suffering. Mm. Yeah, It's important for us to be understanding and sowing these truths of seeing that we are not the gods of our own lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by lifting our eyes to seeing that God is giving us our very breath every moment of the day, and he is truly in control of the good and the bad and the absolutely horrific. Mm Mm-hmm. It makes us wrestle with really deep things, but there is so much beauty mm. and so much peace and freedom mm-hmm. that comes really believing mm-hmm. that. So those three things specifically have been such a help to me. I've probably had a lot of other ones, but those are the most current. <laughs> you and Kristen's book is a really not only helpful, but also beautiful resource. And I think Thank it would you. make a wonderful gift. I've given it already to a couple of people that I know are walking through hard times. Um, and I love that you guys even have in the book, like, an opportunity for the person walking through suffering to, like, reflect a little bit with mm. um, some helpful questions, which I think that's one of yeah. the most difficult things to yes. do when you're, like, really in the throes. So yes. oh, check that you. out. It's a beautiful cover, which is always alluring for us females, or at least yes. for me. <laughs> exactly. We'll link to all these in the show notes. And as I was listening to you talk, I'm thinking, I asked this question of every guest that comes on the show. It's what are your three simple joys? It's one of my return questions on a weekly basis. But I can't wait to hear your answer because (laughs) it's cool to hear you even saying that, you know, there is such joy even in the midst of suffering. So I'd love to hear from you. What are three of your simple joys, Sarah? You know, um, I would say first and foremost has been just, like I said, time alone in the morning with my Bible and my journal and a really big cup of coffee. (laughs) Amen. I have come to find that as the sweetest time for me. I have to get up before my kids are up or I am at a loss the rest of the day. So Mm -hmm. that has been a really precious time for me. And then my second would be, I just find it such joy inducing to be able to have a deep conversation with a friend or I do this with my husband too. And then like moments later, be able to laugh hysterically about life at the same time. Yes. I mean, goodness, if we can't laugh, we are going to be miserable people. (laughs) Yes. So um, my husband is laughing so hard about some of these things that other people would probably think they are absolutely loony (laughs) if they knew what we're laughing about. But it's been, you know, because we have, I think, the joy in the Lord, we we have to be able to look at some of these things and laugh at the chaos. Yes. That this is absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Yes. But also being able to be 
able to flip that and truly have deep conversations about truth and have both in the same moments, I think is really a beautiful thing. Truly. And then I would say a a third joy is anytime I see my kids playing or reflecting something that is not of our parenting. (laughs) I just thank the Lord for it. Knowing what we've gone through. And when I see them playing together Mm. and all getting along Mm. or see one of them do something kind for the other, Mm -hmm. when that is just not characteristic, I feel such a gratefulness in Mm. my heart because it is just a picture that God's grace is so much bigger than our mess. Mm -hmm. And he can do things in ways that we just can't. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so those are often moments that like are gone in a moment. Yep. But I grab hold of them and they do. They bring such joy to my heart because it helps me remember I can keep pressing on. There is good coming from this. (laughs) Yes, I love that so much. (laughs) Well, one of the other questions that I ask every guest who come on the show, you know, we've welcomed you into our lives today just to kind of speak into seasons of suffering and to offer hope and to point us to the gospel. And I would say that your book has done that for me and really just offering hope no matter what degree of suffering you're experiencing, you know, just the everyday suffering that we experience as believers. Um, So you've had such a great impact on my own journey with Jesus, Sarah, and I would love to hear from you. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? Oh, that's a hard question because there's really a lot of people. Um, But I, I probably would definitely have to say my parents, um, specifically Mm. my mom, which I want to actually encourage people in this because my mom and I actually had a very broken relationship in high school. Really? When I went through that really dark time, yeah. I had so much anger and hatred built up in me. Or mm-hmm. It was really not towards my parents, but that's who it came out towards. Right. Considering where we came from, I just am amazed at God's goodness and kindness that now I look back and she's the woman I want to wow. um, follow. Um, she is just such a picture of Christ and um, a, a life that has been continually um, humbling herself, being teachable. Uh, she has mm. suffered a lot walking through things with our family. Her and my, my dad mm-hmm. have really gone through a lot of pain as grandparents and parents being very helpless to help us, Right, um, which I know many will relate to. Um, and so I have just watched them and specifically also her cling to the Lord and you can just tell she lives so eternally. Mm. And I just want to do that. I want my life to be lived with such an eternal perspective that I can walk Mm -hmm. around with a smile on my face. Not that I don't have tears coming down too, Mm. but that I can walk around with a really sense of peace and joy because I know this is not my home, mm-hmm. not living for this home. And I can trust the Lord so deeply that I can have a quiet heart, even in the midst of chaos. And I mm-hmm. see that in her and I just, I want to emulate that. Um, so she really has mm-hmm. such, had such an impact on me. Christ has had an impact on me through her is what mm-hmm. I will say. Mm-hmm. Well, praise the Lord. Well, Sarah, it has been a joy to get to journey alongside you in this capacity today. Thank you so much for coming Thank on the you, show. Thank you, Hunter. It's such a blessing. I love talking to you. I genuinely hope this conversation with Sarah encourages you if you're walking through hardship or if you're walking alongside a friend who's going through some difficult stuff. You can find all the noteworthy quotes and the resources from this episode on journeywomenpodcast.com. Hop over to social media to continue the topic of hope when it hurts throughout the week on Instagram and Facebook at journeywomenpodcast. 
Hey, if you are enjoying these conversations, I would love it if you'd head over to iTunes or Facebook and leave a review. Here's one that I read this week that I found really encouraging from a gal named Brittany. She said, I heard about this podcast from a friend in the States. We live overseas in a 99% non-Christian country. It's so encouraging to hear a podcast geared towards women in all stages of life that's so gospel-centered. Thank you for helping encourage my often dry heart to look towards Christ. Guys, thank you so, so much for the reviews. It helps Journey Women find others in Brittany's situation all over the world, and we are so grateful. Y'all, Chris Mann of Podshaper edited this week's episode. He does such a great job, and I just want you to know without his help, I would be hurting. Hey, it's a joy to get to journey alongside you all. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.